Welcome to the Art Stays Here Coalition's new podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. In the series, we'll hear from folks affected by the ongoing arts, music, and cultural displacement that's happening across the country. These include artists, musicians, and other creatives, as well as developers, policymakers, funders, operators, arts and cultural leaders, and more. They will share their stories and their own voices to best communicate the impact that cultural displacement has had on individuals and communities and how we can choose to make it stop. Welcome to the Art Stays Here Coalition's podcast series called Culture Crisis Conversations. My name is Amy Bennett. I am a volunteer with the Art Stays Here Coalition, longtime arts administrator, and we are here today with Nick Capasso. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Yep. I'm Nick Capasso. I'm the director of the Fitchburg Art Museum in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Great. Well, tell us a little bit. Um, a lot of the work we've been working on is in Greater Boston. So yep. tell us about Fitchburg. Like, where is it? How do you get there? What's it all about? Okay. Fitchburg, Fitchburg is to the west, out route two, about 50 miles okay. from Boston. We are one town away from the New Hampshire border. Oh. So we are in a region known as North Central Massachusetts. What else is in that region? Um, Lemonster, mm-hmm. um, Gardner, mm-hmm. um, Lunenburg, mm-hmm. towns like that. Okay. We're also the second largest city in Worcester County oh. after the city of Worcester. Okay. Well, that's something I did not know. Yeah. So Fitchburg has a population of about 43,000 people. For, for many, many years, between roughly the Civil War and the 1980s, Fitchburg was a very prosperous, small manufacturing city. Like Industrial Revolution. Very much so. And then when the global manufacturing economy changed in the late 20th century, all the jobs drained out. So we became, for a many decades, the proverbial dying New England mill town. Like Lowell. And we, we, right, we are not alone. We are one of uh, 26, um, what they call in Massachusetts, gateway cities. Mm. And these are former manufacturing centers. And they call them gateway cities because they are gateways for immigration. Mm. Um, so we have a very large Latino population mm. in Fitchburg. Um, it's about 40%. Of the city, 70% of the kids in the public schools are Latino. Um, and most of the folks um, from Latin America in Fitchburg um, come either from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, or Uruguay. We have folks from other places, but those are, those are the main uh, places. Interesting. Um, Tell us about what exists in Fitchburg, like its assets and its cultural places. Okay, so... The anchor institutions in the city of Fitchburg and what differentiate Fitchburg uniquely from all these other gateway cities, except for the very largest ones like Springfield and Worcester, are the presence of a state university. So we have Fitchburg State and an accredited art museum, the Fitchburg Art Museum. So those are the main institutional assets. We also have a a fairly thriving arts community. Fitchburg has had a very long history of being a center for the arts. So when when the city was thriving, 
Yeah, there, there was a lot going on there. I mean, we have some very serious late 19th and early 20th century public monuments. We have churches with Tiffany windows. I mean, they weren't fooling around. So we do have an artist community. Kind of the linchpins of the artist community are an organization called the Fitchburg Cultural Alliance, which is the kind of uniter and convener um, for our cultural community. And we also have something, I'm not sure it's unique, but it's I think it's special to Fitchburg. There is a a nonprofit in our city, a community development corporation called New View Communities. And I know we're going to talk more about them. But one of the things they've done is they have set up a program called the Community Stewards. And Community Stewards program offers um, leadership training in a wide variety of fields. And this is for Fitchburg residents. So there are uh, public health stewards, public education stewards. They had a stewards class specifically for people who wanted to open childcare centers that led to their licensure and certification. And they also have art stewards, which is, which is now, it's a growing group of people who have taken these trainings over the last five years. It's a lot of professional development for artists and a lot of community building. That's great. We need that here. Well, we need it everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) It's worked really well in Fitchburg. (laughs) Wow. Can you tell us um, about the museum, kind of its history, what it focuses on, what kind of staff you have? Sure. So the Fitchburg Art Museum has been part of the history, culture, and identity of the city for almost 100 years. We have a centennial coming up in a few years. Get, get, get your fundraising plans going. Uh, we're working on it right now, believe me. Can't let that odometer tick no. over without leveraging it. So the art museum was founded by an artist. It was founded through the bequest of a woman named Eleanor Norcross. She was the daughter of the first elected mayor of the city of Fitchburg, and she had a substantial career as an American painter in Paris, during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Mm. And to make a very long story short, she determined at some point that her beloved hometown needed a museum, needed an art museum, just like Worcester, just like Springfield, just like Boston. And in her will, she left money, all her own paintings, and everything that she had collected in Europe. And she passed away in 1923. Mm. And then the museum um, opened to the public in 1929. Wow. And we have grown. It it opened in a fairly small building. We now, almost 100 years later, have a 40,000 square foot physical plant. Half of it is public gallery space. We have a permanent collection of over 7,500 objects. It, it, it's a re- it's a hodgepodge of things that have washed up at the Fitchburg Art Museum over the decades, but we have real demonstrated strengths in American art, African art, and photography. Hmm. So we continue to collect in those areas and organize exhibitions from those collections. In addition to that, we have taken on as part of our mission 
an ambitious and ongoing series of exhibitions of contemporary New England artists. Then in addition to that, we have many, 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 many education programs. We do an enormous amount with the Fitchburg Public Schools, including an uh, on-site arts-based after-school program. We bring in contemporary public artists to co-create works of public art for the city with middle school students. And we also, in addition to this, do a lot of community and economic development work Hmm. because we're an anchor institution. And we understand that if our city doesn't thrive, our museum's not going to thrive. And then just to give a sense of scale, we have an annual operating budget of about uh, $2 million. We have a full-time staff of 12. We're lean and mean, and we get a lot done. <laughs> Do you actually live in Fitchburg? No, I live in Worcester. Okay. And um, how long have you been with the museum? I've been the director there for, oh gosh, um, it'll be 11 years in December. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Can you talk about who you serve? Who does the museum serve? We serve the people in our community. So, and, and we take this very seriously. B- before I came to the Fitchburg Art Museum, it was a rather old-fashioned kind of place for a lot of different reasons. And it did not do much in terms of engaging with the community. It was a little insular, a little elitist. But we decided we needed to change that. And our key insight so I'll back up a little bit here. So we have this system of nonprofits in this country. It's pretty unique to the United States. Most other countries don't do this crazy thing that we do. So the system of nonprofits was set up to do work that the American electorate does not want the government spending money on and the private sector feels is not sufficiently profitable. So we have very important things like education, health care, human service, basic human needs, and arts and culture that are largely run by nonprofits who have to run around and beg for money to do these essential things. Always and forever. Right. But nonprofits exist to serve people. And our key insight at the Art Museum was we should be serving people, too. And in a way, we always have. But, you know, if you go to other museums, particularly some of the larger museums, and you're thinking about this issue, within about 10 minutes, you figure out that you're not the client of the museum. They're happy to have you come and see the art and be a member and, you know, have lunch and pay for parking and all those things. But the donor is the client. No, the art is the client, right? So museums were set up as repositories to keep important things forever. In fact, curators used to be called keepers because they kept the stuff. And art museums were set up to preserve, conserve, study. Archive archive art and people coming to see the art originally was incidental and we decided that 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 wasn't 
right <laughs> and we turn the equation around so we serve people with art not the other way around without dumbing down the art without dumbing down the programming but and 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 once you start thinking about things that way and looking through th that lens everything changes about the kind of programs you do the kind of art you show um, how you conduct your business who winds up on your board of trustees who you hire it's a whole different way of approaching things um, and this was necessary for us because in other in order for us to thrive in our very challenged community we had to make ourselves relevant and to useful. our better challenged community Wow. So can you um, talk about some of those initiatives and programs that connect you to being, to serving the community? Sure. So one of the first things we did is we became one of the country's first and few um, bilingual museums. So all the text in the museum appears in Spanish. Our receptionist speaks English and Spanish. We have Spanish language programs. We have Spanish language tours. We um, program lots of uh, Latino artists because of the people who live in our community. So that that's that's one example. Wow! And then work with the schools. Work with the schools. Uh, absolutely. Now in Fitchburg, we've had some very enlightened superintendents over the years. Um, the Fitchburg Public Schools continue to have an art teacher in every school and an art classroom. It's not art on a cart, right? Where the and so the, there is a an abiding um, interest in the arts. But when I first became the director of the Fitchburg Art Museum, one of the first meetings I had w was with the superintendent, and I and I sat down and I said, "So, how many of your kids are coming to the Fitchburg Art Museum every year?" And he said. Zero. <laughs> I said, okay, how, how do we fix that? And he said, well, it's a matter of money. It's a poor city. We can't afford the buses. And it's nothing against the art museum. Our kids don't go anywhere. So we pay for the field trips. So every field trip from the Fitchburg Public Schools is fully subsidized by the museum at no cost to the kids, their parents, or the schools. Wow. So what's the well, answer if now? Not, if we're not serving the kids in Fitchburg, what are we doing? Right. No, and you're creating um, their appreciation for arts and culture right. at a young age. Right. So now they all come. Right. <laughs> wow. And this is important, too, because one of the other things that we do in terms of community service is all the community and economic development work, which not something museums usually get involved in because we're trying to create better economic conditions and contribute to, and we want to contribute to the health of the community. And so when I first came to Fitchburg over a decade ago, um, there was a lot of desire amongst leaders in the community to change things and fix things and, and make the city better and and there was and people hadn't figured out quite how to do that yet. They had just gotten to the point where they figured out that the manufacturing economy was not coming back, which was good because it took them thirty years to get over that. Um, and so, 
to make a very long story short, over the course of the last decade, uh, community leaders, along with the city of Fitchburg itself, have decided that one of the ways forward economically is to reposition the city as the regional center for arts and culture, like it used to be back in the good old days, and to use that as leverage for community and economic development. So actually and, and that, actually valuing arts and culture. Right. And, and so before I get too far from the Fitchburg Public Schools, if these kids are growing up in a city that wants to self-identify as a center for arts and culture, you have to inculcate that in the kids. Because most of those kids are staying locally. Wow. This is a whole different animal than a lot of other places. Yeah. And, and so to get back to the actual um, repositioning the city, this has started to pay off in a big way. So over the past two or three years, different entities in the city have received, in aggregate, over $200 million for investment in arts and culture infrastructure, this is a major capital projects, programming, training, and leadership development. And a lot of this is focused on our downtown. So there are four major development projects in our downtown that are creating synergy. One of them was the, um, and this was the, this was the first project to be complete. This was the renovation of Fitchburg's historic city hall. It was an 1854 building which was falling apart. City government had to flee the building because the roof was in danger of collapse and was basically housed in a nearby strip mall for almost a decade. The city decided that they they were able to retire a bunch of debt service and they were able to issue bonds and decided to invest in their own city hall and did a magnificent job of restoring this building and city government is back in our original city hall. Immediately across the street from City Hall, on Main Street, in downtown Fitchburg, is a large property uh, known locally as the Theater Block. It's a block. On the ground floor are retail stalls. On the second floor is office space. This was originally built in the 1920s as a 1,600-seat vaudeville theater. It subsequently turned into a movie palace. Then it was cut up into a multiplex, and it closed in the 80s. This property was recently purchased by Fitchburg State University, and they're redeveloping the whole thing. They're putting retail in the retail stalls. They have university programs in the office space. They're building a brand new black box theater, and they're renovating the original theater. Wow for their own use and also for a as a performance space to, to program major performers. Wow. So that's happening. The third thing is the Fitchburg Public Library, a couple of blocks south of this, is about to close or, or relocate. They're closing their building for major renovation and expansion. And then the fourth project 
which we broke ground on earlier this year, is something called the Fitchburg Arts Community, which is directly across the street from the Fitchburg Art Museum. And we are partnering with multiple organizations in the city to accomplish this, but primarily with New View Communities, Community Development Corporation, who is the developer for the project. And that's very important. And I'll get back to that. So what's happening across the street, it's a $40 million project. We are rescuing largely abandoned municipal historic buildings, an 1869 high school, an 1889 the Fitchburg Municipal Stables, where they kept the city horses. Oh, my goodness. And a 1923 junior high school. All these buildings are contiguous. We're renovating these three buildings and creating 68 units of affordable artist preference housing. For rent or for purchase? For rent. And this is the important thing. One of the important things. New View Communities is the developer. They will retain ownership of the buildings once they're occupied. They will take the rents and manage the properties. And that means that this is not a gentrification project because New View Communities' mission is affordable housing. So we've seen this happen a hundred times. An artist building gets set up, blah, 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 supposed to be affordable. Within a few years, they hire lawyers, they break the affordability covenants, or even worse, they go condo, mm -hmm. and they become gentrification projects. Mm -hmm. This is not a gentrification project. It will be there in perpetuity for the people, the people who need it. Wow. Yeah. It, it's heroic. It, well, I, it was just a... It was a really good solution to a really bad problem. Three, you know, abandoned buildings across the street from the art museum. Does that developer do other like projects? This is the first time they've done artist housing. Okay. But but this is their job. I mean, they've done a great deal of affordable housing in um, in Fitchburg and Lemonster and, and other towns and cities in our so region. So a true CDC. They're actually they for are, yeah, they're the, the community. Real deal. They're the real deal. Yeah. Um, is the museum part of this new FAC? Yes. So we, we, the work that we have done to date, the pre-development work, included working with the architects on the interior design of the buildings for the living and studio spaces, doing research to inform all of that, doing some pre-marketing, doing a lot, a lot of local and state political advocacy and education. And the art museum has also been charged with designing the certification pro process for the artists. So that's what we've done to date. Mm -hmm. But our commitment to this project extends to after the artists move in. So it and again, what, whatever we do, it's all going to depend on who's in the building and what they want to do. We're here to serve them with the goal of nurturing and sustaining a creative community in Fitchburg.
Will there be any shared space in that housing building for maker space or creative? It it all depends on what the tenants want to okay. do. Okay. Okay. So there there is a significant amount of shared and community space, but we're not going to predetermine that. And I'll tell you why. Because when when we decided to, um, you know, we had conversations, well, who's going to be eligible to live in the building? And of course, there are income qualifications. But then then the conversation was about, well, who are we going to certify as an artist? So two Massachusetts governors ago, during the Deval Patrick administration, he had an office of creative economy. No longer exists. But when it existed, they came up with a list of what they called creative industries in Massachusetts. So we decided to use that list. So if you work in any of these articulated fields, you can live across the street from the art museum. So this this includes people who, um, you know, who work in traditional art media, like painting and sculpture and printmaking, photography and, you know, all that business. But the building is also open to people who work in the performing arts at, at all levels, not just performers. Designers, Designers, technicians. The tech people, right. Playwrights. Yep. Writers, publishers, designers of anything. Graphic designers, fashion designers, product designers, you name it. Creators. 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 And it's also open to people who work in cultural nonprofits. So we've cast the net as wide as we can because we wanted a diverse and interesting, but, but we don't know if this building's going to fill up with painters or musicians or what. So we're, we're not going to predetermine or overdetermine what the uses of those spaces are going to be. We're going to let the tenants figure that out, and then we're going to help them develop those spaces. Wow. And we can help them with, I mean, we, we do a lot with professional development for artists anyway, so we'll do some for them. I envision having an exhibition and programming of their work, you know, maybe a year after they've moved in, mm-hmm. so everybody can meet the neighbors, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We can do cross-programming, we can do cross-marketing, there's a million things we can do, but these are just agenda items for discussion because it's about, again, serving the particular needs and desires of the people who are going to be living in the building. Wow. Um, so has the public, um, what has the public thought about this and are people excited and do you have a wait list or? We, 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 we don't have a list yet. We're still, we're still fine tuning the, the application process and the, and the certification process. So we broke ground this past spring, late in the spring. And if things go the way they're supposed to, um, the building should be ready for occupancy in early 2025. So that's like tomorrow. So we have a lot of work to do. Of course, there are always going to be naysayers, right? And But we try to ignore them because negativity gets you nowhere. So people are pretty happy about this. And, and here's why. So I talked about the $200 million investment in arts and culture. Well, people certainly like all this money flowing in the community. They also like the idea of having 100 people of downtown Fitchburg who are going to eat, dine, shop, play, do whatever they do. And artists are entrepreneurial. So that's a good thing. But even in advance of the artists moving in, all of this investment has been noted by the private sector and private sector investors. 
So on our main street in Fitchburg, which has many, many empty storefronts, it's like a lot of gateway cities, this year alone, we have six quality restaurants opening on Main Street in anticipation of all this activity. In addition to that, we have private developers investing in hundreds of units of market rate housing near our transit station. So there's a lot there are a lot of incentives for developing housing near transit. Yes. And they're taking advantage of that, but they wouldn't be taking advantage of that if they think that the investment wasn't going to pay off in the and long And if there run. weren't something for all those residents to do. Well, that's right. Part of what we're doing here in the city is it's workforce development and retention and attraction and placemaking. Yeah, in a yes, in a big way. So so the um, the economic spin-off is already happening. This is working in a way that none of us could have envisioned when we started talking about this stuff a so decade this, ago. So to me, um, is almost the other side of the coin for what is going on in Greater Boston. And, you know, we're not here to talk about Greater Boston and, you know, all of our... Yeah, and I'm not an expert on Greater Boston. Right. But, <laughs> you know, in a nutshell... Property values go up, artists yep. get kicked out, we have no rehearsal spaces, we have no um, artist studio spaces, you know, and week after week after week, we get called saying we need help. So, like, yep. it is a epidemic in Greater Boston. Right. Now, almost the opposite is happening in Fitchburg. You have buildings that need occupancy and redevelopment or you have some money you have government private and public sector support you have community support and you actually have a situation where people are inviting arts and culture they are valuing arts and culture and they're redefining repositioning an entire city's economic future And, and identity yeah that's that's what we're doing do you not see the, it is, you know, 50 miles away yeah. and entirely different. Right. So everyone who's in greater Boston, who's in a crap situation, should move to North Central Massachusetts. Sure. <laughs> <sighs> and, and actually what we're doing, it's, it's, it's not going to just benefit our city. Um, we hope to get tenants, at least in the Fitchburg Arts community, from Worcester. Worcester's the second largest city in New England. They don't have any artist housing in Worcester. And there's a lot of culture in oh, Worcester, Worcester, but not Worcester's a lot of housing. Worcester's a happening right. place. Yes. They just don't have artist housing. Right. And they have a lot of art. You know, Worcester, Worcester has a college and university on every corner. Right. There are a lot of artists in Worcester. And, and they've been losing studio space. So we're going to get the call from them next. Yeah, yeah, they'll be calling you. <laughs> every, everyone calls us. I mean, there, us. there are different things afoot, but nothing is really, right. you know, wow. caught traction yet. So, for housing. For yes, housing. yes, yes, yes. So um, are there any plans um, in this scheme, which I love and thank you, for just artist or music workspace? Or do you think that might come down later? Or I think that so a couple of things. Um, I, I know that there I probably I, I can't talk about the particulars. I know that there are different entities looking to create other spaces in old mills in Fitchburg. We have a lot of old mills. Unoccupied? Um, fewer and fewer now because the largest growth industry in Fitchburg is cannabis. 
And there are eight different companies growing cannabis indoors in old mills in Fitchburg. That's artisan. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Grow it local. But but there but there but we have we have a lot of old mills. The other thing that we did when we um, you know established the the idea for the Fitchburg Arts community, we had to do we had to do some rezoning. But we didn't just rezone for those three buildings. We rezoned for the whole neighborhood. So now there's an there's an artist overlay district, which means that artists will be able to have studios in their homes in the neighborhood because we anticipate that this will act as an attractor as we continue to build the community. I feel so conflicted. I feel so happy for what you're doing. (laughs) Thank you. And what's happening in Fitchburg. And I am so sad for everyone in greater Boston and what we're losing. And and it's almost insurmountable. I've Uh, seen the loss. I mean, I, you know, before I was in Fitchburg, I was a curator at De Cordova for 22 years. So I've been in every artist building in New England, and I've seen the loss in Boston. There's so much loss. There's so much loss. I mean, we can even talk about just Fort Point period in South Boston and everything that's been lost there. Um, It's, it's not new, as you know, it it continues, but it's just, it's just part of economics and demographics, Absolutely, right? As all the money has concentrated in the 1% along the coasts, Mm -hmm. everything changes, you know, there are two Americas, there are the coasts and Chicago. And then everything 25 miles in from that. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're two different places. Well, I think the one of the takeaways here is that in certain places, if you build it, they will come. Or you build it so that they will come. Yeah. Um, and that with certain opportunities, resources, and pieces coming together, arts and culture can be valued, can be healthy, can contribute, can be the backbone of community yeah and i'm not here to say that arts and culture is going to solve all of fitchburg's problems of course it's not but it's an important part of a multifaceted approach to economic development it's an important spoke in the wheel if you don't have the spoke if you have a city where there's nothing to do you can't attract or retain workforce you cannot correct i have a prediction which is that over the next five to ten years many many other cities facing similar challenges to Fitchburg are going to come to you, ask you to be a consultant, and figure it out and replicate this idea and this model in other places. And and we're not the only ones. I mean, there there are other cities, even in Massachusetts, who um, are are staking a lot on this, like New Bedford Mm -hmm. is doing a lot, Mm -hmm. Lynn, Mm -hmm. Springfield, Mm -hmm. Salem, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, you know, it's... We're not inventing anything in Fitchburg, right? Right. We we did not. We're not geniuses. We did not come up with this, but it 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 seemed like the right approach to our particular set of problems. And you know, for for many years, it was lots of hope and happy talk. But now we've got proof of concept. Yes. Well, and congratulations. It's it's amazing. I mean, we have, you know, something pretty great in Lowell, the Western Avenue Studios. Yes. Um, you know, that is different. There's 300 workspaces and then there's about 50 lofts. Have you been there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there many times. Yeah. You know, I mean, on one level, it's sad that 
we used to talk about, oh, if you were in Boston and you were in Fort Point and you got pr- priced out, you could go to Cambridge and Somerville. Right. But, you know, that, you ship, that, <laughs> that ship has sailed. And now you can go to Quincy and Medford and Chelsea. That ship has sailed. And then you can go to Salem and Haverhill and Lowell, and that ship is sailing. You can come to Fitchburg now. And, right. And then... <laughs> um, well, it's, uh, it's good to know that there are places that you can be welcome that it's valued that there are places to go i mean and and historically artists and creatives have always done this they've gone to places that need a hug and make it huggable right and then sometimes there are not the protections there and then you have gentrification but you're having protections there to keep it affordable housing. At least with this project. Right. I can't speak for what others might do in the future. Right. But there's enough writing on the wall to learn from history to say, without thinking about those protections, what could eventually happen. Right. And you know, what's very frustrating to me about the situation in Boston is that they're just shooting themselves in the foot economically. Tourism is an enormous industry in Boston. Why are people coming to Boston? Sports, history. And the arts. And the arts. Part of our fight or advocacy around here is proving uh, what Arts Boston had put out called the Arts Factor, which shows the economic impact. Yep. You know, sometimes it's shocking to hear how much money the creative sector pulls in and redistributes. We think that it's one of the reasons that Amazon wanted to come here was because, you know, there are things to do and for your families and everything, you know, culture and. I mean, I guess we can... There's culture. I don't know that there's nightlife, but that's a big topic in the city of Boston right, right. now, nightlife. Right. But we are struggling. We are mostly talking about artist workspace, but we've been brought into the conversation regarding small and mid-sized concert venues that have we've yep. lost tons of. Yep. And someone even said to me the other day that the small and mid-sized music venues really also need to be considered workspace because that's where musicians and bands cut their teeth. and where I mean, they you, work. Right, <laughs> and where they earn money. And the Art Stays Here Coalition, of course, we're young, uh, but every single day there's something about scope creep. Like, okay, now music venues. And then um, this week we got called by the students at UMass Dartmouth with what's going on in New Bedford. Right, right. It's like, oh, academia? This problem? I mean, it's not unique to greater Boston, it's not unique to Massachusetts, it's not unique to the United States, but... Well, you know, academia can be your allies. This is why we have so many artists in Boston. Because of Mass College of Arts, because of the Museum School, it's because of Berkeley, it's because of the conservatories. Well, and that's... They provide the seeds for incredibly thriving artist communities, and it would be a shame to educate all these people... To have them, and leave. have them leave. Right, which many do because not only are there not workspaces, you can hardly afford to live here, which is a whole other... Oh, well... I mean, yeah. it's part of the conversation, but it's a... You know. Well, no, that's a huge part of the conversation because when I talk to artists in Boston about what affordable artist housing in Fitchburg costs... They want to sign the paper now. That's why I was asking if you had a wait list. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I could give you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I, I'm not here to work against of course. Boston. But, you know. But, well, if Boston is not 
recognizing what it has, nurturing it, keeping it, preserving it. And that's why, you know, one of the things that the coalition is doing is putting forth what we're calling the RAP, which is the Regional Arts Protections and Policies Petition, which calls for all these things. It's about zoning. It's about government-owned property and land. It's about putting together funding. It's about what happens when there's development. It's about percent for art. It's all of these kinds of things. With a concerted effort, it can be done. We are trying, running around with our hair on fire saying we need the concerted effort because it's, it is a crisis what is happening here. Right. And soon it's going to happen to education. This week we found out that Brandeis stopped its music program. Never mind what's happening with UMass Dartmouth. Now I'm worried for all of the uh, arts, not the specific colleges, but the programs within liberal arts colleges. Right, right. Well, Um, there's been huge deterioration there. This is super exciting. I'm so happy. I mean, I knew about it in a high level, but to know about the specifics and to know also about the historic preservation of some of the buildings right? and how the museum is a hub of community. Yes. I think that there could be something that other museum leaders, business owners, other cultural directors could learn about being the center of community. I agree. (laughs) So can you tell us if you are out here in Boston, why we want to go visit the Fitchburg Art Museum? Because it's worth the drive. (laughs) Okay. It really is. Can you take the commuter rail? Yes, you can. Okay. Yes, Fitchburg, the the Fitchburg line. Okay. Goes directly to Fitchburg. Yes, you can. (laughs) Straight out of North Station. Okay. Um, Yeah. So... The Fitchburg Art Museum is worth a visit because because of what of what you can see there, and I, I know that there are museums in and around Boston that have great collections, but we have our own collections and we have our own quirks, and what we do have in a big way that has been a huge loss in Boston is we show New England contemporary artists. So when I came to Massachusetts to work in museums in 1990, every art museum in Massachusetts had room in the schedule for local and regional artists, even the MFA, even the ICA. And I've watched this degrade precipitously as all of these institutions have grown and changed. They have wanted to attract more wealthy and powerful trustees and donors who want to be associated with institutions showing blue chip international art stars, not the local yokels. And I've seen museums drop local artists from their programming over and over and over again until there are very few now. I think you've just identified another area of arts advocacy that if we ever solve <laughs> the uh, workspace problem. Well, this is a big economic problem, right. too, because in, in the 90s, there were many, there was a thriving community of commercial galleries and alternative spaces all in Boston, all showing local and regional artists. And there was a market for this. There were collectors who collected local and regional artists. And then 
as the museums stopped showing them, there were no places left to validate these art or even show their work or place them in historical context or anything. And that stripped out a vital part of the visual arts ecosystem and I think led directly to a severe contraction in the market for local and regional artists. Mm -hmm. Now, the Fitchburg Art Museum, we're not going to solve this all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's nice that you recognize it, though, and that you name it and that you say, we value this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, there are great artists everywhere. All the good artists are not in New York or London. There are great artists everywhere. And not every artist, for a million different reasons, can make it through the grist mill to become a blue chip international artist. That doesn't mean their work isn't worth seeing or collecting or exhibiting or interpreting. And that's the thing I love about regional music. I mean, really, honest to God, do I need to see one more Andy Warhol? <laughs> right? I mean, yes, he was important. I get it. But, you know, if, if you go from major contemporary museum to major contemporary museum across the country, you're basically seeing the same stuff mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Could mm-hmm. we please see something else? Repackage. And that's what regional museums are for. You well, can see something else for five minutes. And I would also argue that, you know, if you're a young person, or, or not even a young person, but you're going to a museum and you're, you know, seeking inspiration or, you know, you could be, it's inspirational even of itself to know that they're artists from your own community. Oh, absolutely. And your own region. Absolutely. And uh, that sometimes you might be able to take a class from them or um, hear them speak about their work or go to their open studio or having access to actual live <laughs> right, right. Uh, practicing right. artists. It helps build community mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it helps validate a life in the arts. A life in the arts. That's what we're all trying to do here. We're trying to have lives in the arts and keep the arts alive. Right. And not just for the creators. No. But for everybody. Well, and for, for humanity. We have um, one woman who's on um, our coalition. Her name's Christina Tedesco. She's a, a professional scenic designer in Boston. Her kind of connection to all of this advocacy work is she wants to name and amplify and uplift the value of art to humanity, basically, whether it's about problem solving, whether it's about emotion expressing, whether it's about community gathering. I mean, and we could call it tourism, uh, economic, you know, uh, just all of these things. And she actually says how it contributes to well-being. Right. And... It's, it just makes me so sad the, to think about... The mission about, of our museum is to contribute to community well-being. That's the mission. That's the mission. The other thing about advocating for the arts, and I, I find this very useful, especially when people say to me, gosh, you know, my, my daughter wants to go to art school, and I don't know, and how's she going to make a living? And what I say, look around you. Everything you see in the built environment was designed by an artist. Absolutely. Your shirt. Your iPhone? Your, your, your earrings, your eyeglasses, the microphone I'm talking into, mm-hmm. the, the rug on the floor, mm-hmm. the pattern in the floor under the rug, mm-hmm. the ceiling tiles, mm-hmm. everything. Packaging on your food? <laughs> yep, my shoelaces were designed by an artist. Right. 
Right. We just don't name it and see in it. In that way. Right. Maybe we need a campaign about naming it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm doing a campaign that's about anti-apathy. There's, there's too many campaigns to do. Well, thank you so much for, A, traveling 50 miles to be here, for sharing your plans, for sharing what values you have at the museum and in Fitchburg. We'll definitely make sure that folks come out. Maybe we'll do a little field trip. I would love that. I would love to show you. Okay. And um, we'll stay in touch. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Art Stays Here podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. You can listen to all of the episodes from our website, artstayshere.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our partners, New Alliance Audio, New Alliance East, and The Record Co. And thank you for the funding from Boston's Mayor's Office of Arts and Culture. Join the movement at artstayshere.org.